This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 44 of Equine Clicker 101 Podcast on Horse Radio Network, Taking Collection Under Saddle. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Vianova Training and Cavalier Feet. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, I will discuss how do we start taking the collection exercises under saddle? How do we introduce it under saddle, utilizing positive reinforcement? This is a question a lot of people have. Sometimes they don't think you can use a positive reinforcement under saddle. You absolutely can, and we're going to discuss what that looks like and how to get there. A lot of times people ask me, where can I buy clickers? Where can I buy targets? Where can I buy riding targets or video or books or whatever it might be and that you can find them on my website and you can go to vianova.com and that will take you to my website is linked with that one since I'm at Vianova um, and you can find the product page and that will show you different things that are available so there is that or you can search shaunacarish.com or shaunacarish and you're going to find um, me that way as well whichever is easier I think Vianova is probably easier to spell and speaking of Vianova it's an exciting thing that we are doing out here in New Mexico and why don't we listen and learn a little bit more about what Vianova is and what it has to offer At Vianova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Vianova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All right, here we are in the classroom to discuss how do we take our last lessons of, you know, getting some balance and the beginning of having our horses use themselves better on the reverse round pen and how do we take it to the next step? So there is always many roads to Rome, I'm going to say, but utilizing positive reinforcement, we're going to want to teach this next step. And there's a couple ways we can do it. So the, the point though, the point that is really, really important to have solidified with your horse is we want your horse to really clearly understand going forward. He knows your cue for going forward. It was taught through positive reinforcement is really important. So 
as we teach it through positive reinforcement, he knows it, he likes it, he has a great reinforcement history, and he also knows to stop or slow down utilizing um, the cues and, and positive reinforcement. So what does that look like? We've talked about going forward and, and slowing. That was, oh golly, what lesson was that one? It's episode 17. There it is. Teaching your horse to go forward. And so that is really, um, you can go there and that can be a way that you can learn. How do I teach these to be cues that were taught through positive reinforcement? Because that's really important element. We've talked about this before, and I think it's really good to reiterate, like, you know, every episode really is that. When we utilize positive reinforcement, we are using a different part of the brain. And the different part of the brain, neurobiologists have taught us this. They've done studies now where they can put things on and figure out when when do endorphins and dopamines and, and you know, all these things. So what we have found that different parts of the brain light up when they're learning through tend to light up. I mean, you know, that nothing's flat, but they tend to light up a different part of the brain when we're using positive reinforcement and the different part of the brain tends to light up when we're using traditional training or pressure release training. And so those two different parts of the brain create different chemicals and different hormones. So with traditional training, we tend to light up the part of the brain that is responsible for fight or flight. And in that part of the brain, we have cortisol is one of the things that's really produced through there. It's a stress hormone. With positive reinforcement, we tend to activate something that's been referred to as the seeking system. And the seeking system is the, um, is the things they like, the things they want. In that part of the brain, they tend to produce chemicals and hormones such as endorphins and dopamines. So different emotions are associated with the different learning patterns. As we move into under saddle work, we start to move into a place that can be, if we're not careful, it can be really associated with the, the part of the brain that has to do with fight or flight. And we don't really want that. We want them to be like, no, I'm here and engaged and I love this. Through traditional training, there's also really not a lot in it for your horse. There's not something in it that they're truly trying to get or seek. With the positive reinforcement, we're actually putting something in it that they value. This is one of the things that John Madden taught that he, he said, and I immediately thought about horses when he said this. He, he said that any, every good business deal, and he was literally talking business deals, um, everybody's happy. Everybody walks away with something that they wanted. And to me, and it's John Madden, BZ Madden's husband, not John Madden, the football guy. But to me, that really rings true with horses. I want them to walk away and think, oh, I love this. I, I can't wait to do this because there's something in it I truly want. And when we utilize a positive reinforcement, they are getting something that they value, not something we perceive as value, something they value. And with that, we get a horse who ends up loving the training. They're invested in the training and the outcome of the training as much as we are. So I think that is really significant. So utilizing the positive reinforcement means we're, we're using a different part of the brain. We're creating different emotions and we're putting something in it that they value through this process. We tend to classically condition these behaviors. Actually, after a while, they're like, I love cantering. Why wouldn't I canter? Because they've been associated with so much positive reinforcement, they truly do become classically conditioned if we've maintained a really high rate of reinforcement. So that is the goal. As I teach cues for under saddle, I want, when I put my leg on, just like in episode or lesson 17, I put my leg on and then I remove it and I will say target. So they feel that little leg pressure 
It's not an escalating pressure. It's not a remaining pressure. It's not a, it just is, it's there, it's gone, target. And then they move forward to go to the target. What I click on is the moving towards a target. Well, pretty soon that is simply a cue. It's not associated with pressure and release. It is simply a cue that says go forward. And if you go forward, you're going to get something that you like or enjoy. So it's important that you're moving forward and you're slowing or stopping, that, that your woe and your go both have a strong reinforcement history as we move into this next part where we have a rider on board. So I work on that with the rider first before I go into collection. I make sure I have a really, truly happy, in mentally engaged camper, happy camper, mentally engaged, under saddle before I'm going to move to anything else. And I also pointed this out in our last lesson. I also want them to have learned other things before we go directly to this. Because what is the risk with, with the under saddle work that I, I am cautious about is I know that I'm taking away their choice. There's a lot less choice with under saddle, or it may be a lot less perceived choice, especially if your horse, which most of them are, were taught with traditional training. Sometimes they feel like I just have to do it as opposed to I really want to do it. And we can't always tell the difference when we put, when we put equipment on and a little story to drive that home really quick. You've heard this story before too, <laughs> is when one time I was asked to go work with these horses who were, there were six horses and they were trying to get them loaded in a trailer. And they, the, I got there and they flew me in and okay, here I am. What, what are we doing? And they were teaching with positive reinforcement using clickers and targets, but they were also and they were new at it, so it wasn't as, as solid as it could be. But they were also using their halters and lead ropes. So they said these two are good at loading at the trailer, but these four were having troubles with different parts of it. We can get them in the trailer, but we can't close the trailer. We can't, whatever the pieces were. So I said, okay, well, let's actually do this. We're going to work each of them individually. The trailer was in the arena. Let's work them individually, but without the halter and lead rope. Well, guess what? The two good ones were actually the two worst ones. Now they loaded softly, easily. You never saw any resistance. They are quite compliant, but when they're giving a choice, they didn't like it. They didn't want to do it. And so while we couldn't see that, that is, it, it's really significant to me. I want to know that because we have the tools to change their emotions and how they feel about it and make new choices. And on top of it, I can also see where is the problem? What, what part don't you like? And then I can address that particularly. So while that may seem scary to some people with positive reinforcement, we want to know that as we go under saddle with a horse who has been under saddle, we may have them where they are complying more than they're choosing to do it. So it's, I really want to be sure that I have gone back and counter conditioned these different parts. I have a soft, responsive horse who will go forward readily and softly, will slow down readily and softly. I've built a really strong reinforcement history with each of these elements. So that is my little kind of caveat there that I want to, even if I don't feel like there's a, a hesitation or an issue and maybe they're good with it, I still want to be sure that I built a good, strong reinforcement history with that be the response to that behavior and the duration on that behavior. And that simply just takes some repetition and a healthy reinforcement schedule. So don't be chintzy with it. That keeps the, that can keep them in a frustrated place because they're not getting what they came to get. You know, so if we activate, I think of it like this, if we activate the seeking system and so somebody comes along and I'm hungry and they bring out a big plate of hot chocolate chip cookies 
And then they give me a chocolate chip. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I'll eat that. But I want more. That's not enough. I want a cookie. But if they gave me a couple cookies, I'm like, okay, I still want more cookies. But I don't feel quite so maybe agitated or worried that I may not get what I'm trying to seek. So if I actually can get what I seek, I can relax a little bit. I still want more, but I, I'm not in that frustration place. I hope that makes sense to you. Okay, let's leave all that part behind now. Remember that part, that's part of the prerequisites. So now what we're going to do is we want to start introducing the concept, the very earliest concept of under saddle and, and doing collection under saddle. Now, keep in mind, as again, I pointed out in the last episode, you really, this takes, a the collection is, is a fluid thing that takes months to, to hone and get better and to develop muscles so they can get better. So while we're teaching the concept of them understanding the principles, it's going to take more repetition, more reinforcement, more time for them to develop what goes into that, the muscles to support that, the, the being able to do it with any amount of time for duration. So those things were going to take a little bit longer. But what we're working on is just the very early concepts of it, of can I get these pieces together? So one, uh, there's two ways to do it. The way I first did it with Minty, and, and as Minty was my, the first horse, I mean, I started working with him 26 years ago. He's now 27, and when it was time to do under saddle, really, we focused on doing it all with, un, with positive reinforcement. So all of his cues were all just great. He loved them all, and he understood them all, and they were all based in positive reinforcement. It made endorphins and dopamines and happiness come when he would do these things. Well, when it was time to introduce collection, I, I, I needed to... I, I, I didn't have the concept of a re reverse round pen yet. So we did it under saddle. So what I did is I simply got on and I said, can you go forward and reinforce him? Can you go forward and reinforce him? Can you go forward and reinforce him? And then I said, can you go forward and slow down and keep going forward? So I kind of gave him two cues at one time and you could feel him go, I don't really know. <laughs> what what do you want? And in that moment, as his hind end was going forward and his back end was slowing, was how he seemed to anticipate it or process it, he brought his back up because he thought, well, how if these two go together, he brought his back end, uh, his back up, which brought the his it brought the two pieces closer together, which is the beginning of collection. Did he get it? Could he do much more than that? No, but he got the concept. And I was warned. This can take a lot. This can be really frustrating. Don't, don't expect too much. But he got it. He got the concept really quickly. He couldn't do that and maintain it. And I wouldn't ask him to because it would be too hard and it could turn it to being aversive. So I made sure I just did little bits at a time and little bits at a time and I didn't drill it. And that was a very simple process because both of those cues were so strong and he was a problem solver. He already knew. I love solving the problems. There's an answer in here somewhere. And he just uses clever little mind to think, well, I'll try this. And as he tried that, I could say, that is the piece I like. So that is one option to do. But it takes a lot of softness and it takes a lot of uh, 
a, a lot of patience because he might not get it quite so readily. So now we have another way that is another way that we can introduce it. Now, as I said earlier, you want to make sure that you have a professional working with you for this, because if you, you, because the problem is you need to know what you want. So if you don't know what you want and you don't know what it feels like, you can get something, but, but is it really the kind of collection, true collection, something that you want to see more of? Is it proper collection? Is it done correctly? So those things I think are really important. And it is, I think it's really important to have a professional working with you, somebody that's going to be open to positive reinforcement, but really that they're working with you so they can click at certain points when it happens and say, that's the piece. So if you don't know what it feels like, you have a way to go, oh, I feel that. I know what it feels like. Or maybe I don't feel like I don't feel that yet, but I will soon. And so your your trainer can say, yes, that's a piece we're looking for. That's a piece we're looking for. And they're going to know the little steps that lead up to it. So it's not going to be collection right away, but it's a concept of starting to think about what am I doing with my pieces and getting their back up and their hind end underneath and really because ultimately what you truly want is them to be engaging their hind end so that means their hind end needs to be further under them so it's a big it's a big whole set of criteria but we work on one little piece at a time so i'm really going to encourage that and minty got so good with his collection there was a time where there was an olympic rider that i was working with and it was right before she went to the olympics and we were just down in Wellington and riding around on the grounds, just talking. And we were on our horses and I was riding Mint. And Minty learned to do proper collection on his own. He understood it. He created it. He made it. So we were talking and we're riding around. And he, as a habit, he would, when he was warmed up and ready to get to work, he would start doing true collection. He got his hind end underneath, driving himself forward, lifting his pack. I mean, he just, and so she said, he is collected and on the bit. I mean, and that's from an Olympic trainer. That's not, that's not sloppy. That's not, that was him knowing how to do this and create this. Now me being a marine mammal trainer at that point, I was like, oh, I know I'm sorry, because if for training, you don't want them offering something you didn't ask for. So to me, I was like, man, she's calling me out on it because it looks like sloppy training. And frankly, it kind of is a little bit because he should he should do what I ask and hold that and do that and keep it that until I ask him to do something else. But he was kind of, I had let that be a way that he told me I'm ready to go. But what it also told me, it meant he loved that behavior. He knew that behavior was going to get reinforced. And the gal even said, I would love to ride that horse. <laughs> and so that's a huge compliment. And that means he can do it and he can do it correctly. So I don't want him just, I want him to, when I ask for a behavior, but that was his way of saying, I'm ready to get to work. <laughs> and so that became a little cue where he let me know. But typically what I want is for him to hold the behavior. If I ask for this, I want you to go with this bend at eight miles an hour. I expect him to maintain that until I ask him to change that. I don't want to keep saying, go, go, stop, stop, collect, collect, touch, touch, touch. I want him to say, we can keep our contact, but I want it to be, I keep this without needing to be prompt and prompt and prompt and prompt and prompt. So I think that that is really an important facet of it. So 
I, I do. I don't want him just doing whatever he wants. That is sloppy training. But I'm also saying we can train really proper collection. I had my ex-husband who is a beautiful, lovely rider working with me at the time. And he, he could, he could see that and he helped me to understand what I'm looking for. So again, reiterating a good trainer is going to help you know what you're looking for and make sure you're getting it done correctly. So that is my little caveat there. So explain a little bit where you can take it under saddle and you can put the two cues together and it's simple. It was easy. He got the concept within three minutes of me asking him to do it. So at first he kind of was like, well, I don't quite know. And so I just said, okay, well, let's go on a little bit and we'll do some other things. And then can I ask again? And you could see his little brain still processing. And I think it was a third try. And he goes, okay, this, and I could click with my scalpel of a communicator with my clicker and say, yes, that's a piece I was looking for. And because he'd done training enough, he'd been training with the positive reinforcement for years at that point. He's like, okay, I get it. I know what you're looking for. And then he could develop it and bring it along. I would, I would help and support him. But as he got the idea, he really created it, which meant our progress went much faster because he was the one I wasn't lifting him up on a sit-up. He was doing his own sit-ups, essentially. So I think those pieces are really important. Um, the other thing that some people do, and I'm not really going to go into this a whole lot because I feel like it's not quite as useful because collection isn't a static behavior. It's not just standing and lifting and, and putting our head in a certain position. It is a whole body and movement. So, so some people will try to teach them to lift their, uh, to lift their, their bellies, lift their backs. And I think that can have a certain amount of, of help, but I think that it still is not the same. Lifting is not the same as lifting and engaging their hind end. So that is another thing that some people teach. I find it's not as, not as helpful in the long run for most horses. So anyway, but the next part we're going to talk about is I think it's a great way to do it. And it's a great way to talk about how we can take smaller steps to have smaller building blocks as we go. So what's a way we can segue between what we're doing now and trying to take it to under saddle. So what I like to do, and I think it's a great way to go. If you have your horse going nicely and he's starting to use himself and bring himself underneath himself a bit on the reverse round pen. And as I mentioned last time, it's not going to be as thorough and nicely as it will on when we have, we can communicate with both pieces, but it, they can really do a lot for building a lot of that muscle for creating more balance in themselves. It, they can get a lot of that on the reverse round pen. So it's a great way to go to help them start to build up their, build up their muscles, build up a little bit of stamina, a little bit of duration with that behavior. And I think it's great. That was our last lesson. We talked about it last time. So now We've in this place, they're good. We're feeling like it's, they're looking kind of stronger. They're looking like they understand it. They're really trying to reach underneath themselves. Well, now what it's time to do. And remember, it's a whole frame. It's not just the back and the front. It's the whole frame is, 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 is nice and a moving thing. So what we're going to do next is I find a good way to do this is I would put a saddle on. And can we do this same exercise? with the saddle on. 
And when they, and at first, remember a context shift means it's changing any little piece, whether it's in a new place, it's at a new time of day, it's in a different arena, it's with a different person. All of those things are context shift. Some things are seamless and it doesn't matter at all, but some things are going to kind of make a bigger difference to the horse than we think they might be. So this is going to be a context shift, simply putting the tack on. So as we put the tack on and we ask them to go, at first they may go back to their old ways where they did it to start. But then we say, nope, you know this behavior. Let's keep going and look for those little steps and build up just like you did in the beginning to remind them. Yep, lift your back, lower your head a little, lift your back a little, get your hind end underneath of you. If they get stuck, that's what we do. We go back to those building blocks and recreate that behavior as a whole. So I think that that is really an important element to it. Um, so, but, but it could be that you put the saddle on and they go, yep, I get it. And they just go like always have, yay, that's great. We can go back to that criteria, but remember, soften your criteria, be ready to help remind them how we got there until you can get there consistently. It may take, you may have to do it for a week with just the saddle to get them into this place and remind them what to do. Typically it doesn't take, but one session, but you never no, it doesn't mean your horse is smart or, or not smart. It just means this piece, for some reason, creates more awareness for them. They're more sensitive to that or more aware of that or more distracted by that. So it, I don't care how long it takes. I'm ready to go back until I get it to the, to the criteria we, at, we were at with some consistency. Okay, but the, so the next thing we want to do, when that is good, I don't move to the next step until the step before is as good as it was before the saddle. So when they're good, they're consistent, it's ready to add, add the next step. Oftentimes what I do is I add the rider. But I keep them on the reverse round pen. So I say, at first I wanna say, ignore the rider. So the rider has the reins, so they're there, it's for safety, they have, they're in the saddle. But I say, ignore the rider. I want you, we're just doing the same exercise we did on the ground. It's easy, it's not that hard. And so I have them in the saddle and, and it may be harder for them, just like the saddle might be harder for them. And think of it now, we have weight in that saddle. The saddle is minimal weight. Weight in the saddle and the person's balance is a lot to negotiate for our horses. So I say, okay, I get it. We might not be up to criteria, but let's hopefully we have a little bit of muscle built up from the reverse round pen process without the rider. Now we have the rider. Hopefully they're not completely you know, they're, they are in a little bit better shape than they were before than just getting old on cold Turkey and starting to teach this. So now we say it's the same exercise. We're doing the same thing we did. We again may have to go back to saying, let's slow down. Let's get your head in the right place. Let's see if we can't lift your back up a little bit, get your hind end up under you a little bit until you have them reaching under them like they were before. So again, this may, this process may take a week or two because if the the sheer weight of the and balance of the person can can throw them off just enough that they may need to build up the muscles again to carry the weight of the person. But we want to get that balance and get them understanding and how to do that. So by clicking and reinforcing the pieces that can help rebuild that behavior, or again, a trainer may see little pieces that if, if you may not see and say, see how that inside leg or, you know, whatever the pieces are that they'll recognize that that individual needs. And I'm going to tell you, 
None of this is going to be the same for basically any horse. It's all going to be slightly different. And that's why it's hard to tell you exactly how to do it because you need to know what you're looking for, first of all, and then you need to look at that horse. How can I help this horse, this individual get it? Sometimes it's a physical thing. Sometimes it's just a mental block that they can get. So it doesn't matter. It just means we need to keep working on that individual and paying attention and helping them get to the next place. So that part is, so as we get that going, when that's going good and that rider and they can balance and they can get back to that place with the rider, it's now time for the rider to become significant. So in the very beginning, I'm saying ignore the rider. Just do the exercise that we did that you know and are familiar with. So focus on me and getting back to doing it like we've always done it. When I've got them back to doing it like they always done it, next thing I start doing I will click, but I will have the rider reinforce. So now I'm starting to shift the, the, the concentration up to the rider a bit. So I want them now to start paying attention to the rider and the rider's cues. And so I'm shifting the focus from me and saying, let's go to now looking and listening to, to the rider who's on board and pay attention to that person. And then what I can start, we can start doing is just like I talked about earlier, we can introduce the hind end and have them as we ask them to go forward. And then we can start introducing a little bit of asking them to slow. It's not hanging on their face. It's not staying there. It's saying, can you slow a little bit? You ask for a little bit of a half halt with a little bit of go. So you're looking for a little slow, a little go for them to start lifting up a little bit more. And, and hopefully what it's going to do is simply take them from where they were to a higher gradient of where they were. So it shouldn't be completely unknown and un unfamiliar, but we're just, it should help encourage them to give us a little bit more collection, a little bit more lift and getting them used to feeling the contact because the contact is an important part of it. But again, it's not hanging on the face and a good trainer will recognize that and will help you to see that. So those are the steps in essence that you want to take and you've got to to figure it out with your horse, but slowly start introducing the rider in and those cues. Now, sometimes what I start doing too, before I ask for it, just like I did with Mint, so I know that I'm going to ask for the two cues together. I make sure each of them has a, their own strong, positive reinforcement history, great responsiveness all the time. I could do it at the lightest degree and they respond. So when I, I may go, okay, I'm going to reinforce some go and then I'm going to reinforce some slow and woe. So I'm kind of saying these two components are what we're going to be working with today. And I make sure they're thinking about both of those before I start asking for them to put them together a little bit. And it is, this is very rudimentary. This isn't the sophisticated part that you'll get to with your own trainer, but this is the very beginning of helping them to get the concept. And then you're going to refine it from there because this isn't a refinement process. This is your rudimentary getting the, the idea down. And that's where Vinton helped me to kind of get it really refined and pretty enough to get the attention of an Olympic rider. But at this point, I, I, we're just trying to get the basic concept down and getting them to think, what is the answer? What could it be? What? And as they get to the problem solving, they go, oh, I get it. 
and they start getting the idea of lifting up and compressing a little bit. I mean, essentially it is as the hind end comes under, this is why we call it collection because the pieces start getting closer together as opposed to more strung out and further apart for the early stages of this. That's what we're looking for. So I remind them of those two parts and then I can ask them for the two parts together. If I have a... And that should be that should be really good and go. You can though use where they might be coming up to a, a stationary target with a cone in it, and you're asking them to go forward. And as they start to reach the target, they may lower their head and compress a little bit. So you may need to experiment a little bit, but it really is more of a going thing than the static thing. So that may be a step you need to introduce if they're having a hard time with it. So. Just go slow, be patient, let, give them a chance to think about it. So say this and this, and then maybe you cue it again and then see if they can't get it sorted out. And well, from what I've seen, they can. When they are problem solvers are really engaged in the positive reinforcement, they are ready to go there with you. So it isn't a confusing, worried thing. For horses that don't have a really strong positive reinforcement history, it can feel conflicted and it can feel like I don't get it and then get frustrated if they don't know the answer. But a horse that's really solid with positive reinforcement thinks there's an answer in here somewhere. Let me try some stuff, you know, and so they try putting it together. And that's why it's important that they have a strong reinforcement history already. You've seen them solve problems and show that they get those different pieces. So putting that they, that they get the idea of finding an answer and they've been very strong at those other pieces and they like both pieces. So it doesn't feel like a muddled mess or a conflicting thing. They just think, huh, well, this is, I got to try those two together or they start trying different things to find it. So, that is the basics of what we're looking for in a big nutshell. So what we're going to do, I'm going to work with Blue, who I worked with in our last lesson, um, which was a couple weeks ago. So we've worked on it uh, a bit now, and I really kind of tried to focus on it a bit. So we're ready for this week. And so he's doing nicely. He gets himself under him nicely. He He can moderate his pace quite nicely and be you know, not be just rushy or too, he can, he's listening and responsive while keeping using his hind end and keeping himself under him quite nicely, really, and keeping his head in a nice position, his back's raised, his back is raised. And that is, again, the rudimentary parts. What we're going to do today, I'm going to put Linda on him. And what we're going to do is we're going to see, and I have done it with a saddle. So I jumped ahead a little bit because I really did want to be ready for the rider piece. So I've done it with a saddle and I've done it with the rider as a prop. And he's, he was all good with those. Those are pretty easy. And for these lessons, I tend to pick out the ones that I think I'm not going to have 52, you know, detours to get to our, our thing. Cause I think that can just muddy the waters for you. So I try to get ones that I think are really going to set them up for success. But also if I feel like they're not getting it, I feel like there's other pieces I need to go back to work on just getting them more in the game and more better with their, you know, Liberty leading and more with their, their transitions and things like that. So He's in a good place. He's done it with the, the rider as just a prop on his back. He's done it with a saddle, and that has been great. I've got him to the criteria where he was. What we're going to do today is we're going to start to introduce a little bit of 
asking him to get putting a little leg on, then asking for him to slow down, then asking for a little, and it's not leg on because that kind of reminds you of traditional of keeping leg on. We're going to put, ask for a little cue saying touch with the leg, slow, touch, slow, touch, slow, and see if we can't get it worked out. I'll tell you, he's a good problem solver and he's a horse who has a bit of energy. So I think that he will, he will like this and he will figure it out. I do believe. Because if I didn't feel like he was going to be in a good place, I wouldn't be going here yet. I want to feel like he's going to succeed. So what we're going to do, I'm going to get um, blue tacked up, going to get Linda ready, and we are going to go to our reverse round pen and start this exercise. So I will meet you. And, and I'm going to, okay, I should probably add this part in. Feel is an important part of any work with a horse or a sea lion, or a whale, because the feel is, is a certain nuance that is, is understanding and knowing your animal and, and trusting them a bit and knowing, being able to feel the little nuances. So when I'm riding, I can feel the subtle little softness not drastic, but just the subtle little relaxation. And that's really important. I can feel the subtle tiny bit of slowing down. When I give a half halt, does he adjust just enough that I can feel that that's it without it being a big thing? And I think that this is really important part to develop. When I first started in, um, before I kind of got to John and Beasy, I, I talked to a man named Tom Dorrance. And I didn't know who he was, but I talked to him about positive reinforcement and what do you think? Should I do it? I was a marine mammal trainer. And he said, yes, absolutely. Turns out he had used food as a training tool, but he didn't know how to use it in a systematic way like you're learning on this on this podcast, on, on the whole series. Because we, with the marine mammals, we developed how to take it from textbooks and put it into practical application, use it in a systematic way where it wasn't all about the food, it was all about the game. And so it was really about the training and them loving the, the training. Like I love to do crossword puzzles. It's kind of the same thing. And so the feel was a really important element to him. And I, he sent me one of, he sent me a book, he signed it and sent it and he discussed feel a lot. And I, this was new to me as a marine mammal trainer, but I had it and didn't know it. So I skip ahead to John and Beezy's. I start working with Beezy. Keep in mind, I taught a lot of marine mammal trainers, taught, taught a lot of people who were not trainers to become marine mammal trainers and help them with time to develop feel. Do you know how you develop feel? You spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours with animals till you start to kind of become a partnership. You see their nuances. You adjust to that individual and think this is going to help you. And you see the individual. And this is one of the things I really want people to do. Don't get in your head with all these steps. You pay attention to your horse. Your horse gives you the information you need. So one time when I was, when I was working with Beezy, so she's my first person I'm teaching to do the positive reinforcement with a horse. And I thought, man, her timing is good. And you know what it was? It's because the timing is the timing. I mean, the timing that she had for traditional training, she had to have good timing to be the world-class, one of the best riders we have in the United States. You know, she's multi-Olympian medalist and she just is soft and it looks easy and she has really good feel. So when I watched her working with the horses, I thought with the positive reinforcement, I thought 
she has really good timing. And then I put it together. That really was good feel. Then I was riding a horse that was basically wanting to run away with me. It was one, it was one of their horses. And, and so we worked it out and it was good. But I said, well, I, they, it, we kind of laughed and said, BZ can do it. And I said, no, I want to do it. And so we went to the indoor and I was, he was still going and she's saying, ask for a half halt. And as soon as he gives you a little, get back, you got to get back. You got to get back. And he, and I could trust that and I could feel that subtle thing. And this is a huge compliment coming from BZ Madden. She told Vinton, she has good feel. And you know why I had good feel? It wasn't because my, all my time with horses, it was my time with the marine mammals. So the timing and the, the feeling those nuances is feel. The, the timing and the knowing the individuals that you're working with. Even I understood horses. I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't used to this horse running away with me, but I could get the idea. I got to get back. I got to get back. I got to give. I got to give until we got it under control. It worked quite nice. So that's a huge compliment. But what it really taught me the timing and the feel and the timing and the feel, they go both ways. Whether you're doing positive reinforcement or traditional training, you need timing. And that means you need time around horses to develop that timing and to develop that feel. And they go hand in hand. So as we move into this next phase and we have Linda on board, she does have a good sense of timing, but it's important that she's going to be in tune with that as she can feel those little nuances. And I'm going to be watching carefully too, so I can see when I can tell he's giving a little bit more and try starting to get the idea. Okay, so go get your horse ready. If you've completed the lesson before and you feel like he's in a place where he's ready for this lesson, just because this lesson is out doesn't mean that maybe you're ready for this lesson yet. You really kind of need to be paying attention to your horse and if you think this is going to work for him and if he's in a good place. There's no problem Plenty of horses take longer than a couple weeks to get to the next phase. So don't feel like that's, that means your training's bad or your horse is not smart or whatever. It's not. It's just sometimes we just need to develop more muscles, muscles or we just, you know, the concept's just not there. So if you're ready, go get your horse ready. If you can, in this exercise, we're going to be working with, I'm going to be working with Linda on him. If you haven't done this, perhaps all you're doing is having, or you're working on the same exercise with the saddle on for now. So that would be a nice next step for him and see if he can do it simply with tack, which doesn't have much weight adjusting going on. So go get ready to the degree that you're ready to work on this, which is probably just going to be the saddle. Go get your saddle on, get your tack, get your side bucket, get your pieces together, and I will meet you at the reverse round pen. Okay. Talk to you in a minute. Alrighty, so here we are. Now, I'm going to kind of point out and, and remind you that why we're here, we want to only change one element at a time. So it may be tempting to go, oh, I'll just go put the saddle and the rider on. Well, that can be way too much, perhaps. It might not, but we don't know that. So we want to set the horse up for success. And so by to set him up for success, we want to only change one little element at a time. So it doesn't mean we have the rider out in the arena like we normally, where they normally ride or whatever. We want to say, no, no, you're doing this one exercise with me like we've already done it, that you're quite familiar. You've had a lot of success at. You've had a good, strong reinforcement history get built up with. 
So it's only this one little element at a time. So as tempting as it might be to jump on ahead, I really recommend you don't, especially for a horse who may have a ridden history. Sometimes a ridden history can include things that maybe haven't been so easily understood for their horse, or they've had some back pain, or they've had a really unbalanced rider, or they've had just sheer confusion and they didn't know what to do. And so they got themselves worried. So there can be a little bit of anxiety thinking, oh no, what do I do with those pieces? So by putting just the saddle on first, we're saying it's just one little piece. There's just one little piece is different. It's just the saddle. Can you focus on me and, and still work through that? So there's two things that can happen. They can be a little nervous and they can't pay attention to you because of that different piece has them really highly distracted. Or it could be when the rider gets on, they could be, I pay attention to the rider, not to you. And that may be a little bit challenging for them. So we're not going to get on and just go right to the trot. We're going to go back to the walk and we're going to be ready to go back to those building blocks that we use to train this behavior. That's why those successive approximations, those little tiny steps along the way are so very important is because they are, this is how we communicate to them. Yes, this is good. Let me help set you up for success and get you to understanding this part and this part and this part and this part. Because if it's bigger than I thought, I need to be ready to go back and help show them what it, what it is. And remember, I go back. This is a context shift. This is a bigger context shift. I'm going to go back and assume that I'm going to lo lose some criteria. I may not. I may have them going, it's okay. I got it. I love it. I'm doing it. And that's great if that's the case and that's happening consistently. But if not, I want to be ready to help him out. You know, I don't want him frustrated. I don't want him worried. I don't want to turn this to anything that has any aversive quality to it. I want it to just be a great experience as we move forward. So that's why we're going to build in these little teeny tiny steps. I think this is also a great example of this is how I deal with a horse who, let's say he doesn't do his left canter depart or whatever. You know, I may do it on the reverse round pen first without a rider, then with the saddle and then with the rider saying, ignore the, the, the rider, but I can use these steps to say, to transition slowly to the rider. Sometimes putting the rider on has a whole history of its own and I need to go back and get, and, and I may lose them because it's too much. It's too big of a step. But if I go in these smaller steps, I have a way to hopefully make it a little clear to them. And as I said, set them up for success. So that's just a little, uh, little side reminder I wanted you to remember. Meanwhile, um, I have had them just walking around the arena. That's okay. They're just walking loose rein, easy, casual. And he's not a guy that gets nervous with his rider that I can tell. Now, when I do this today, if I find him maybe a little higher head, a little bit more apprehensive or distracted, it, it's information for me to take in. It doesn't mean he, he, he's aversive about the rider or worried about the rider. He just may be distracted with the rider. But I'm going to pay close attention, see if I can't figure out a fine line between maybe there's a little worry there and maybe I need to go back to those steps a little bit more or whatever it might be. So it's all information. There's no right or wrong. It's just information for me to take in and think, okay, next time I might try this instead. So. Okay, so what I'm going to actually do, Linda, why don't we have you get off for a second? 
Okay, good. What I'm going to do before I even have her on, I'm going to remind him what the exercise is. So we've done it with the saddle. We've done it success, successfully and consistently with the saddle on. So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to remind him that this is the exercise we're doing. So we kind of, I'm using that to say, yep, remember, this is what we do. This is how it goes. I'm reminding him. I'm taking him back to the context that is all quite familiar and has a well-established history. So, all right, Blue, are you ready? And walk on. And so he is walking on. And again, I'm starting just slow where he can kind of sort it out, click and reinforce. I'm going to go feed him for that. I'm a little more to the center now because he knows this, this exercise more. So I'm a little bit more to the center and I can watch him nicely. And that was great. And I'm going to say walk on again. And we're going to walk around. And I'm going to have him go all the way around the reverse round pen. Again, it's a 20 meter circle. So it's a little bit of distance there. Good. And I'm going to reinforce him there. It's not quite a whole circle, but that's okay. He was going along at a good pace. He looked relaxed. He had, uh, he's using his hind end, his whole, he's, he's using himself quite well. So his, his head's in a good position. His back is raised. His, the main part I'm really looking for is his hind end to come under and be reaching and covering some ground. So he did quite nicely with that. And I wanted him to be a little bit, I like the walk to be, for me, I like it to be a little bit of a march. I don't want to feel like it's like, yeah, I'm doing it. I want to feel like, yes, I'm powering through my walk. So that's what I looked for a little bit. And he did a great job with that. So now we're going to say blue. Well, actually, let's tra change directions and go the other direction and remind him of that. Okay, walk on. And that's great. I'm going to click and reinforce there. And now I'm going to go to the trot. Okay, blue. Ready and walk on. We're going to just walk on for a little bit and trot. And he's trot and that's good. Okay, there we go. Good. So at first he was kind of a little, his legs are kind of, I mean, he wasn't using himself as well as he normally does. So I just waited until he kind of got it together. And that's fine. He's just getting warmed up. No big deal. That's not, no, no skin off my nose. So, and I understand, you know, getting kind of warmed up and then he can start stretching. So that was great. I'm going to do a couple more of those so I can get, get him kind of getting under himself a little bit more. I'm not even working at the trot today. So I'm not really going to worry about those pieces, but I do want to kind of make sure he's engaged and he's showing me that he's involved with it, mentally engaged. Well, physically a little bit too. Okay, ready? Walk on and trot. And there he goes. That's nice. And click. And that was perfect. So I, I bridged him and then I'm going to run over and feed him. And a reminder on the reverse round pen, I really want them to stop standing straight. So I kind of scoot over to them. I want to feed them. If they turn into me, I feed them forward. So I get them back to a lined up position. Okay. So that was really good. I feel like he's in a good place. I feel like he's paying attention. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know this exercise. I like it. And he, he is doing well. So Linda, why don't you take him over to the mounting block and go ahead and get on. So now she's going to go get on. I'm just staying in the reverse round pen. Actually, no, I'm going to go walk over with her. So what she's going to do, I'm going to, hang on a second, Linda. Okay, so I'm going to go over with her and I'm going to stand at his head. So as he lines up, 
I'm going to kind of be part of lining him up so he thinks about me as part of this equation a little bit. If I just turn it all over to her, I have a, he, that could just shift it back to her and I want to keep it on me a little bit. So I think that will help to make it clear for him. So go ahead and get on. Good. And I just gave him a hand target, which we talked about and uh, in earlier episodes. Good. And I clicked and I fed. Perfect. Now I'm going to Liberty lead, which is lesson number two, Liberty lead him over to the arena. So he's thinking about me. He's thinking, oh, okay, we're doing this with you. So this is good. So as we walk on and ho, good. And I click and reinforce, good, and walk on. And so as we're walking, I'm going to click there. I clicked as he was walking nicely. I can't see his hind end as much from this view because we're kind of close to each other. But he had, it felt like he was probably going pretty well, just kind of at the brightness and the power he was walking with. So that was nice. And now we're going to walk over. Now I'm stepping into the reverse round pen. And I'm going to ask him to walk on. As he walks on, that is great. And click and reinforce. Okay, so that is great. So we have done this with the rider before, but I want to take him back to the steps that we use to build up to the rider. So now that that's going good, I'm going to ask her to ask him to walk on on her own. So go ahead, Linda, ask him to walk on. And I want you to do this three times. So if you feel like you're getting it up to criteria, if you need to have him walk on a little bit till you feel like he's doing it and she can feel it, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the clickerer <laughs> just because I think this might be an easier step for me to, uh, this might be the step that you might have in between. So she can feel it and she, because she's an experienced writer, but if she weren't, I would definitely be clicking because she might not get it, you know, but she, she is good. So, but I'm going to take over here. Okay. So you go ahead and ask him to walk on and we're going to do it three times, just letting you know. And she can hear my click, of course. So she knows that it's coming and he's also done under saddle with the rider. So he knows how to stop nicely. So he's just walking right now and he's got himself under him nicely and I'm going to click good. And you go ahead and reinforce him. And this part's already established. He knows this part. He knows how to go. He knows how to listen to, to her. And he even knows how to do it on the reverse round pen. We just haven't asked for the go. We haven't asked for the very, very basic rudimentary stages of the collection part. So where we're starting to say we're, we're having the rider help you to get a little bit more. We've been teaching him to collect basically on his own, to go forward basically is what we've been teaching him to do, not really to collect, but to go forward and use his hind end. So now we're going to start turning it into the actual starting to use his back and lift up a bit and actually turn it to really collection. So we've worked on using the hind end, which is a beginning. You know, that's the beginning. We need that part engaged in order to create the next part, but we, we're going to, having the rider do it. Okay. Walk on again. Go ahead, Linda. You keep going and we're going to have her go for just a little bit. Okay. Click. So I click there. I say click for your benefit. I don't say that to the horse typically, but I clicked there and, and because my mic doesn't pick it up so much. So I click there and that was great. And we're going to do it one more time. Walk on or you walk on. 
good. I clicked right away. He took a nice big, he reached under, took a nice big step. I clicked right away. Early bridges like this, clicking early, is they're great for motivation because they say, yes, that component of reaching under is the piece I like. As we build duration, we have them go longer and longer with it. But once in a while, I still go back to an early bridge because it's so powerful for motivation. So that was great. Okay, so now we're going to work on the slowing. So I want you to ask him to go. And then I want you, um, and then in a step, you know, a few steps when you feel like it's good, you go ahead and ask him to slow down, not to stop, just to get a slow down, give him a nice little half halt there. And that's lovely, nice. So we just kind of looking for him to respond to that and to listen to her. And that one, another one of those. Okay, great. So I clicked again. Okay. So now what I want you to do, Linda, ask him to go, ask him to slow, ask him to go, ask him to slow until we feel like he, and, and, and if, we'll try, try two of those. If we doesn't do, if he doesn't kind of get the answer right away, we'll just walk on for a little bit and then we'll come back to it. Okay. And sometimes there's a piece I pick up more than one, maybe more apt to slow and one may be more apt to go. And so I click for that piece that I'm looking. So if I feel like one tends to, to go quite quickly, I maybe draw a little bit more attention to the slowing if that's kind of the harder part for them, because it's going to be easier to keep their hind end walking into the going than it is the other way around. So I will pick the piece that I think that particular horse needs. And he's pretty good with his going. So his slowing is kind of what is, you know, they're both pretty good for him, really. Okay. So this time, let's go ahead and do kind of the slow, the go, the slow, the go, and see if he can't get those little pieces together. And there, there. See? Did you feel that? That was pretty good, huh? So you could feel, so you could see that pretty quickly. The first one, he kind of thought, and, and even the, the, he, you could see him kind of stutter, not be sure. And she did it again. And it almost was a little bit of a stutter, but it was a little lift with that stutter. And his hind end was still kind of going forward. And that little lift is the important part right now. This isn't collection. This is the beginning of him getting the concept of compressing his pieces and putting them together. So it can then be refined into what we truly call collection. So that was really, really good. Sometimes you have to do it a few times before they get it. And remember, we don't keep drilling it, doing it. We say, okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, and I think the two, the asking and then the asking. So you ask slow, go, you ask for slow, you ask for go, you ask for slow. So they kind of are sure that those pieces keep, those two keep coming, but I don't keep at it. I don't want to feel like there's, it's not escalating pressure. It's not a remaining pressure. It's just a recueing and a recueing until he can maybe be sure that that's what they're looking for. And sometimes if they don't get it, I say, that's okay. Walk on, let's do other things. And there are certain times when I think, let's just not work on that today then. Because I feel like maybe they're not ready and I have to work on those other components a little bit more. And sometimes what can also help is getting them to sharply respond. Not sharply in us, but look for them to brightly and quickly respond to each of those. Because sometimes the succession creates that. So if they're really good at going yes and yes, 
then that succession can help them to get there. So sometimes if that, I feel like there's a little lag or a little latency between the cue and the response, shortening that up and get it to be a little bit more responsive can help sometimes for them to quickly put those two together because he responds to both cues, but but there he's like this one, then this one, then this one, then this one. But I want to see him go this one and this one together, a little closer together is what we're looking for. So closer together in time and then closer together in the body getting there. That was really, really good. So he did well with that. So just walk on for a, a minute and, and just reinforce him for kind of marching on a little bit. And, and I, because sometimes teaching a new thing can be a lot for their little brain. I don't want to go, let's do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. I just want to say, let's do it. Okay, that was great. Now we go back to your familiar pieces that have a strong reinforcement history. And then we're going to ask again for what may be a little bit more challenging for them. Okay. So when you're ready, go ahead and ask again. Excellent. That See, that was really, really good. See? <laughs> and you can, you, he put that together a little bit quicker and, and he almost looked like he's starting to anticipate it. So reinforce him really, really well. That's good. Now, again, this isn't collection. This isn't, he, and he's not ready to do this for any duration and, and it, and it's challenging. It's new, but it is a concept of putting two cues together really is what the concept is. Okay. So when you're ready and he stopped chewing, go ahead and ask him, go ahead and walk on. He can chew for a little bit, but when you feel like he's stopped chewing, then go ahead and, and ask again. Now, why I say that is because I want, a lot of times while they're eating their food, they are a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more satiated. And when they're done with their food, they kind of shift into a little bit higher degree of seeking. So I want his problem-solving brain to be like going, okay, okay, I think I get this. And I want him to get that piece. So I want him to be kind of more attentive. He's a relaxed horse because remember, relaxation is important through all of this. If I don't have, if he's not relaxed at any element of this, I need to go back and make sure that he's doing this in a relaxed, comfortable no tension, no frustration way that he can go. Yes. And I call it relaxed energy because that's what I want. I want a relaxed horse who is bright and energetic, but, but not, not tense. And so he can shift gears very easily. We, we worked on the impulse control or the self-regulation. So, okay. So when you're ready, go ahead and ask you, when you feel he's ready, you ask. Okay. That was great. So as soon as she asked for the two, you could see him putting both of those pieces together quick, quick. And he is, and it is resulting in him lifting up and getting the very beginning parts. We're going to end there. That was great. I want you to give him a jackpot right now. So get off and give him some in your hands and then take him over to the jackpot bucket. Thank you, Linda. That was great. I really appreciate it. Okay. So that was really, really good. Now, he, like I said, is really bright and a really good student. So if you've had any trouble with it, maybe you need to go back to those little pieces with it. And remember, don't muscle into it. If he's not ready, he's not ready. Let it go for a little bit and come back. One, some great horseman, I, I don't know if it was William Steinkraut. I don't know. Somebody said, there's always tomorrow. 
And I think that's an important thing. We don't need to drill it and we don't need to, if it's not working out today, give it a little time. Maybe you need to work on those components a little bit more and see if we can't get him to put those pieces together a little bit at a different, a different date and time. So I think that was really, really good. I was really pleased with that today. I'm going to say mostly it looks pretty easy like that. It isn't the hardest thing to get them to put it together when they are the problem solvers. So that I've said that a thousand times, but when they like solving the puzzle, they like the game, they really are engaged in thinking there just is an answer. It's not conflict. It's not frustration. They're like, there's an answer. What could it be? What should I try? And they try things. And then it's easier to, to really capture the piece that they put together. As they, they do it, we go, yes. And then through selective bridging, we turn it in the next phase. So that was great. I'm kind of, kind of bumped about that one. So there you go. We're going to put him home after he finished is his magnitude reinforcement and then we're going to get him back and put away i today have um i today have linda to put him away so i'll be done quicker <laughs> but that was great so we'll meet you you finish up with your part and where you are and getting to a good step with your horse and we will meet you back in the classroom so we can talk about the ever so important homework and where do we go from here okay All right. So they, of course, we have some homework. This is something that takes, as I've mentioned a lot, it takes a lot for them to develop this muscle muscles to do this. So we, we need to have a plan moving forward. How do we do this? How do we do, how often do we do it? And what's it look like? So that we're going to talk about that in the ever so important homework. One of the things people ask me all the time, what should I feed my horse's when we're doing this. And I like to feed them something that I feel like is healthy and is part of their diet. I don't want to turn my horse into, you know, a horse that's giant. I don't want to have my horse turn into having metabolic issues. I don't want to have my horse where I always have to have him on the highest value food. And I also don't want to have him where I I'm giving him treats all day and it's not really good for him. So what I like to use is part of their food from the day. I'm going to have a little extra um, caveat in here for this one. So with traditional training, I tend to use the Cavalor and I use some hay pellets. I find it's quite healthy. I can use it and, and go on and on. Under saddle, I have a tendency to want to use a senior product because the senior products tend to dissolve in their mouth. They're made for horses who are losing their teeth. They're horses who are, you know, and they can't chew just the same. So I like that if my horse packs it in a cheek when I'm riding, I bet it starts to dissolve. To me, that is a really important factor. So I tend to really like the senior products because I know they're dissolving if they've, they have some in a cheek and they've moved on before they've really chewed on everything. So I like those I will use them in this situation. And really, a lot of times they're not as sugary as people think, but the um, they're very palatable. 
but they're oftentimes not as sugary as they think because that's not good for anyone, even an aging horse, specifically an aging horse. But with my day-to-day stuff, I tend to use, I, I will. I don't necessarily use senior. That's, a, that's something I really use for under saddle. So I will, like I said, I use the pellets and I use the Cavalor. Now the Cavalor is unique because it's really minimally processed. A lot of our foods here in the U.S. are heavily processed. So it's really is a unique product. So let's learn a little bit more about what makes them so different. As we progress through the clicker training exercises, we talk about feeding the horse each time you use the clicker. Sometimes most of the time I use feed, but sometimes I use treats. And I love the Cavalier feed and the Cavalier treats because they use the highest quality ingredients. I can feed a lot of it and I know it's healthy and a safe alternative to the highly processed feeds. So I think it's important that we can feel really comfortable about feeding a lot of the feed without thinking or loading them down with sugar. And that's what you get with Cavalier. With the Cavalier feeds, you can also actually see the ingredients. So it looks like a cereal you and I would eat. And in fact, I've tasted it and it's pretty good. (laughs) And the best part is Cavalier's team is easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real life person will call you back to personally talk through your horse's nutritional needs. Learn more about the products at www.cavalier.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalier North America. You'll be glad you did. Okie dokie, it's homework time. Now, this is one that is going to take some repetition. And I'm telling you, and I've said it about a thousand times, maybe not in these exact words, I consider this to be a, a, a behavior or an exercise for a more advanced horse. Advanced being not an advanced under saddle, but advanced and, and certain degree of, of prerequisites in the under saddle department, but really advanced with the positive reinforcement training. This is not for the brand new horse. This could be frustrating and confusing. And, and if they're not really strong under saddle and we haven't really counter conditioned or just taught it all through positive reinforcement, but let's be honest, most horses aren't there. They are crossover horses that we've shifted over to using positive reinforcement. In that situation, um, I want to really be sure that I have a good, strong positive reinforcement history. I have a nice, relaxed, but responsive horse under saddle. And then we can move on to this. And if the, uh, but I do have them where I feel like they're advanced in their in there, they've done a number of behaviors with the positive reinforcement. They've had a lot of time at Liberty. They've had a lot of choice throughout their days so that we make sure that they, they are really a partnership here and we're not, they feel like they have a choice and we can listen to them and know when they're saying no or when they're frustrated or any piece like that. Ideally, we're not going to get to that place. But let's face it, sometimes we just get there. So what do we do when it goes awry? You know, let's say they get frustrated. I strongly recommend going back and building again. If they're starting to get frustrated, it makes me think there's some few pieces. um, Are they really happy under saddle? So I would go back and I'd build a stronger reinforcement history with the pieces under saddle. I always want to be sure with under saddle work that I also have them, um, that, that there are, there isn't any physical issues, but hopefully we've ruled that out 
long time ago. And so we have them where there's that. But it could be that we get to here and they get, they're good with their under saddle pieces, but this feels frustrating. Well, that to me says maybe the problem solving isn't as strong as it should be. They haven't, I think the problem solving really is best when they've had a lot of choice. If they've had a lot of choice through their problem solving, They've had to figure, they have figured it out. They've chosen to figure it out. They show us that they want to solve the puzzle and they don't do it with frustration. They're not leaving. They're not pawing. They're not, you know, looking grumpy. None of those things are happening. They're like, yep, I get it. New thing. Let me see. Well, how can I figure this out? And new thing in a new situation. I'm still focused on figuring it out. So those pieces, so maybe that's the piece that is missing and you need to go back to more of that or it could be that the undersaddle still carries a little bit of, you know, baggage, let's say, for them. So I think those pieces are really important to, to look at. So if it goes awry, it means we need to go back in the training and some component back there needs to be solidified. And I think that that is a good thing to start balancing that out a little bit and then go take it back to the steps before. So go back to just saying, okay, we're going to do some reverse round pen, but remember, you don't want to drill anything. So let's say you're working on this. I don't want every session to be reverse round pen because that's like, well, ho-hum, that's no fun. I still make sure we do some reverse round pen then, and maybe you see them once a day. So maybe you only are doing one session a day. You could do a couple, do one when you first get there, one before you go home, but have one maybe be reverse round pen. Then the other one is something else you might be working on. And maybe the next day you leave it. And then the next day you come back to reverse round pen and maybe you do it twice on the reverse round pen, but not many days where I do it twice. Or you take an early, really early bridge one and say, that's great, great attitude and leave it there. So mix it up a little bit and use a little variety in there. So we don't, we really don't drill this. Don't drill the reverse round pen. Don't drill the exercising and definitely don't drill this brand new thing that we've worked on. So let's say it is all going great and they, they are going really good. Like with blue, we may do it. We did it in kind of shorter succession here because again, I'm doing it with you guys. And I, I mean, I would have her probably ride and do some other stuff in between easy, relaxed stuff. Cause I don't want it to feel, I want this whole session to feel kind of fun and good for him. And so I would space it out a little bit and then get back to it and then space it out and then get back to it. So I want you to go slow with this. The, the point is these are muscles that need to be developed. So it's like somebody had you do squats and then you said, oh, okay, ow, yes, I got that. I don't want you to be sore the next day so you don't want to do squats the next day. I want you to do enough that you start working those muscles, but I'm going to understand to be empathetic to the fact that these are new muscles and there's a lot of new muscles with weight on top of it. So I think it's important that we go slow and really respect the process of this is, it does take a whole new development with a whole new set of muscles and as they learn their balance with these pieces. So go slow. Don't get the greedy trainer syndrome. You will get there as you, and what I would do is I would reinforce each approximation a bunch. So I might do it every time I rode, but I maybe wouldn't do it more than I, I maybe I do it three times or the next couple times, reinforcing each one a lot because I know it's hard and I want to make it one of their favorite behaviors. Because as the classic conditioning takes hold and it is one of their favorite behaviors, 
they're going to start putting more into it. So they're going to start working out their little hineys a little bit more and their little abdomens. They're going to start doing that more because it's something they like and they're choosing to do where they go, oh, I love this behavior. This is one of my favorite. I get reinforced a lot for this. So by making it highly reinforcing and not asking too much, as you start to ask for more, they're going to get it more. So I would go up to maybe four or five times in a session. And again, in a ridden session. And, and then let it go. Go on and do other things, you know, like you do. They still need their exercise and to keep fit. But I would give the bulk of the reinforcement for these little tiny pieces so that these pieces become their favorite piece. And then with, if that's going good, then I may ask for, as we're just asking them to come up, you're going to start to look for them to come up and maybe stay up for one more stride. You know, so maybe they come up and they're just coming up. They're going, I get it. I'm lifting. And then you say, okay, can you get it? And then keep it for a stride. And then when that's going well, and then that, and remember each little step as we build up, we're also working new muscles. And when that's good, you can do two strides and then you get start to do three strides, but, but take your time and do it in a way that we, the, the worst thing you could do really, in, in my opinion, beyond frustrated and not, you know, not really them not getting it, but let's say they're getting it. The next part that, that could be a problem is you look for too much too soon. You start wanting, you start making it too sore, too hard, too aversive. So I think that it'd be better to just build it slowly as, as opposed to, to building it too fast and create and making it aversive for them. And like I said, pretty soon they're going to be giving the extra. And I think what you're going to start to see too, which typically happens because they raise their own criteria, as they start getting it, they're going to, that's going to be a little bit more animated and a little bit more, more effort in each of their components. So that's where you go. And then you just build on it until you can do four strides and five strides and six strides. Remember I said earlier too, uh, early bridges are great for motivation. So let's say I have it where we're doing six good strides where we are really getting it up and we're going and that is going nicely. The next thing I'm going to do is um, I, I'm going to incorporate some early bridges. So just because we're building this duration, sometimes I'm going to go great first stride. Great fifth stride, great third stride, great ninth stride, great. And, and so you're by keeping it a little bit, uh, by keeping it a little bit mixed up and a little bit variable and having some early bridges for that good attitude and good energy going into it, it really does a lot to help the motivation stay higher and, and the variability. I, I like to use this analogy. If I you know, if we had the dolphins and so I'm working with the dolphins, I send them out on a bow. That's when they do their jumps, as you'd say, across the pool. And, and you know, they know to go until they hear the click because the click, we use it as a terminal bridge signal. So they go until they hear the click. So if I always clicked the sixth bow, so at first all six bows are lovely. And then the next thing is, but I always click the sixth bow. Pretty soon they start realizing, you know, the first bow is not that important. We never get clicked for that one. So that one may start being less energy on that one. And that one may start slipping in criteria. And they start building as they get to the sixth one because they know the sixth one is the important one. So I can, I can help minimize that. So that's what we could get where they're like, Bleh, and they get flatter until they get kind of towards the end. 
And so what it, what I can do to change that, sometimes I take that first bow and go, that one is important. Thank you for that. And sometimes that third one is important and sometimes the other, and it really can keep the motivation and keep the criteria high on each of those behaviors. So there you go. That, that's a lot and that may take you a while and take as long as it takes. It doesn't matter. So building upon that and really being sure that it is founded in the positive reinforcement history. Don't get tempted to, to lean into that, that escalating pressure. That is not what we're about when we're trying to use the positive reinforcement. We're trying to use that different part of the brain. So Try not to lean into that part, lean into the positive reinforcement side and lean into their motivation and really working on them wanting to do it and putting something in it for them. And pretty soon there's engaged in building those muscles and developing the, that skill as, as, they, as, as we are trying to help them get there. All righty. So there you go. That's a lot. There's big pieces in there, but I think it's an important step. And of course, the under saddle part is to me, I think it is great and it is so much fun. When we're in a place that our relationship is ready to be there and go there, I think it just gives more dimension to our relationship and gives us another element. But I don't want it to ever be at the expense of the horse's well-being and their perception of it. So there you go. All righty. So I want to remind everybody, you can listen to this lesson on most of your favorite iPod, or, <laughs> sorry, most of your favorite podcast players. So you can, it's on iTunes, it's on Google, it's on all of them. So you can, well, really mostly all of them, all the biggies. So you can listen on Horse Radio Network app and it's available for your Apple devices and your Android devices. And of course, it's really easy to use and it's free. You just see, search for Horse Radio network in the app store and you'll find it and you download it and, and then you're off. And of course, it, it does make it easy to keep track of them too. Be sure to visit all of the great shows that are part of the Horse Radio Network family. You can go to www.horseradionetwork.com and you will find a whole slew of topics and and breeds and issues and fun stuff and crazy stuff and it's great. There's just there's something for everybody on there. Actually, there's more than there's there's multiple things for everybody on there. So I really encourage you to take a look around and kind of fulfill your 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 need for horses because we that's what we have. <laughs> All right, and if you want to, you you can also listen if you go to Via Nova and find Shauna Karish on there. You can find my podcast. And, and you can also listen on there as well as find the products or just find out what we're up to at Via Nova and get signed up for our our newsletter, which will be up and at them. And also ask Shauna's. That's another thing we're going to kind of really be kicking back into gear a lot here. They've been quite popular and that's something we're going to kind of add into. They're just brief. They're not quite like this and they're not quite so hands-on, but that's another place. So anyway, go there, have a look around. So that's it for now. That's all the information I think I have to give you for this for this day. So enjoy getting your horse collected or getting the start of it. And remember, don't hesitate to get with people that can help you to do that and see that. So until next time, you enjoy getting that horse on target. All righty. Bye. <laughs>